This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, professor of sport management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. Joining me here in the Trine Broadcasting Network studios is communication professor Andy Brown. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brandon. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, As part of our Center for Sports Studies here at Trine University, Andy sits, uh, was one of our committee members, and we wanted to bring him in today because he's going to give us a little bit of background on sports broadcasting. So, Andy, we've got a variety of topics mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about, but first tell us about your background in broadcasting and what brought you to Trine. Well, I started in uh, college working at a local radio station, and I uh, started doing Hillsdale College football and basketball on closed-circuit television at that time. And then when I graduated from Hillsdale College, I got a job at our local radio station in town and started to do the football games first. And then a couple of years later, I started to do the women's basketball games at Hillsdale College. And a couple of years after that, I started to do both the women's and the men's games. So I had some great mentors at our local station and they kind of brought me along and I was able to kind of get a foot in the door also doing high school game, a lot of high school games too, on top of the Hillsdale College stuff. So why'd you want to get into broadcasting? Were, were you a former athlete? Did you have a broadcaster you looked up to? What was it? All of those, yeah. Um, I told my class, I think today, 1984, I'm 10 years old. The Detroit <laughs> Tigers start out 35 and five, um, and we couldn't get the games on TV. So for me, it was 760 WJR out of Detroit, the 50,000-watt blowtorch of the Midwest. <laughs> and, and we could sit there at my house on Montgomery Road and listen to Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey broadcast the Tigers. And, and they just had a dream season. So as a 10-year-old kid, I was captivated by Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker and Lance Parrish and all of my heroes. And as I grew up, I, I was I had fun playing sports, but I wasn't a great athlete. I knew I wanted to do something with what I loved, which was sports. So uh, since I couldn't probably make a career doing, uh, you know, being a player, uh, I kind of gravitated toward the broadcasting side. And, and for me, it was Ernie Harwell. Uh, mm-hmm. Ernie Harwell, the decades-long voice of the Detroit Tigers, he, he was really, uh, in a way, kind of my hero growing up. And and uh, I don't know how many thousands of games that I listened to that guy do, but uh, he was just such a classy and gracious guy. He was he was the voice of Tiger baseball. He had that kind of Georgia Southern draw, and uh, for me, his voice was the voice of summertime. You, you know, it's interesting. I still listen to baseball. Yeah. You know, whether I'm streaming out. Uh, mowing the yard or, or just on the radio it, it, and it sounds goofy and we're of the same generation so it may not make a lot of sense <laughs> to students who are listening um, but what Susan's Randon said there's something romantic about baseball I think what in Bill Durham it, and it does I, I think just the best broadcasters kind of paint that picture of the game and it's almost like you're there kind of living it like I love listening to Pat Hughes with the Cubs over the summer I think he just does an excellent job there's no clock yeah there's no timer and for me I love the ability to listen to a game, like you said, and do other stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, I used to 
maybe play some video games or go take a walk with my dog. And it, it for me, baseball is just as good or better on the radio than it is watching it on TV. The, these these incredible announcers just create such a vivid picture of the action and tell such wonderful stories along the way. It's a joy to listen to if you're a baseball fan. Yeah. And this is going to get us off topic a little bit, but I think it's an interesting question. Is the demise of baseball greatly exaggerated? You know, I'm watching games, and I know the stadiums are full, but you're still seeing families, and they're bringing kids out there. I understand people might not be listening as much on radio, or maybe they are. I don't know. But, you know, baseball specifically, is there attendance may be declining, but is the sport declining? Is there anything maybe on the broadcasting technology side that they can reach some of those younger fans? Brandon, I would be, I would be concerned um, if I'm a baseball executive, just from the standpoint that as a high school teacher for 22 years, very few of my students cared about baseball, especially the last several years. They, they just weren't plugged in. Um, it is, these games take forever. Um, in a lot of cases, it's a really slow pace. Uh, when I take my kids to a Tiger game, uh, they want to go to the concession stand and look at their phone a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so there truly isn't the same appetite among kids that I saw when I was a kid. And yet I think that there will always be you know, as, as people get older, it just seems like they gravitate to the sport a little bit more. I think there's always going to be uh, Major League Baseball. It's just going to, I think it will have to evolve, and I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but they're going to have to keep pushing themselves to evolve the game. Um, but at its core, without changing much, baseball is brilliant. And I think when people kind of get into it and understand what's going on, there is a poetry to the game that's mm. different from any other. And, and so I think it'll always be popular in one way or the other. And again, I mean, we're two 40-year-olds talking yeah. about baseball, yeah. and I see the, you know, the beauty in a 1-0 yeah. game. Yeah. But, I mean, to your point, you know, you've got other sports coming up who have learned to, to maybe modify some of the rules or make the game a little bit faster, a little bit higher scoring, uh, things like that. So just, you know, we were talking about baseball. I thought it was kind of interesting. But beside that, we'll bring it back to trying – you know, this is your first year here at Trine. You're doing a ton of great things Thank in you. the communication department. So tell us what's going on with sport broadcasting here at Trine. I, I know we've started broadcasting live games. We're having weekly segments. You know, where can they find you? Where can they hear us? Well, they so I had been broadcasting Hillsdale College Sports for 20 years and uh, teaching high school and coaching football at the high school level. And so I think what Dave Jarzina and Dr. Brooks envisioned was kind of pulling the communication department and our Trine Broadcasting Network and, and trying to bridge that gap so we were more, um, there was more synchronicity there. There was more of a one-to-one uh, -one thing. So they brought me in to teach communication on the one hand and then to work with student broadcasters during the games on the other hand. So uh, from week to week, you'll hear me with John Kay, who's a junior communication major here at Trine. You'll hear me with Brooke Cunningham, who's a criminal justice major. These are students who, like me, <laughs> love to, to be on the microphone, uh, love to to share their passion for sports, and it's been a blast. So uh, we do all, you know, I've done all the football games, uh, all of the home basketball games. I actually did, Brandon, a soccer game, which totally took me out of my comfort zone, uh, but I brought in a guy named Taylor Medina who's on the men's soccer team, and 
Uh, he's a criminal justice major here at Trine, and we had a great time talking about the game. So, yeah, all the live broadcasts of the, the games on the Trine Broadcasting Network. I have a podcast called Trine Talk, mm-hmm. um, which is not just about, about sports. We cover sports, but a lot of other things as well. And then whenever possible, uh, my students and I are making video content from our games and interviews that we put out there as well. And that's part of your class that you're doing? That Partly, on? yes. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, that was an interesting thing that you mentioned. You know, this podcast, it'll, I mean, it'll go worldwide, I guess oh, you could well, say. Without it, but, a doubt, you yeah. Know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to a certain extent, it's it's trine-centric. So for those students who, you know, are in criminal justice mm-hmm. or, you know, like a, our producer, Trenton, he's a sport management major, how do they get involved? It's really easy. Uh, you're probably going to have me bu- bugging you. Um, for instance, we were broadcasting a trying women's volleyball game, and I noticed the PA announcer was really dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I went down and introduced myself, and, and she had no thought of ever you know, doing a play-by-play or a color piece for a game. But I said, listen, I want to work with you. And that's Brooke Cunningham, and now she's our Wednesday night commentator for trying basketball and she does an outstanding job. So, uh, when, when I detect people might have an interest, whether it's in one of my speech classes or one of my comm classes, I'll reach out to them and invite them. We now have for the first time ever a sports broadcasting class at trying this semester. So I have seven students. Uh, they're all required to do at least one game during the course of the year. Um, so we'll bring them in that way and see how it goes and see if they like it too. Um, but, if anybody has an interest on campus, they would just shoot me an email, uh, reach out to me, and we, we will definitely. We have enough sports on campus; we can get everybody involved. Yeah, if it's a sport, we're going to add it. That's right. Here at So for the non-trying student who's listening, or or maybe somebody who's even graduated and has just always had a passion to be a broadcaster and wants to get started in the business. How do you get started? You know, I always used to hear you had to start at the bottom and work your way up in broadcasting. I started as a broadcasting major when I was in college and ended up shifting. Is there truth to that? Well, I think we talk about it in our broadcasting class all the time. You have to be very stubborn at the beginning and and really resilient and thick-skinned. I knocked, as a high school senior, I started knocking on doors of radio stations in our county and beyond, and um, I didn't get some of the jobs that I applied for right away. I just knew that nothing was going to stop me. This is what I wanted to do. I was going to continue to work on it. I finally got one opportunity that led to another opportunity. So I just think you have to keep knocking on the doors. What I tell my students is if there's a microphone, whether it's doing PA announcing for a middle school Mm -hmm. volleyball game or whatever it is, volunteer to do it, get comfortable, Continue to to volunteer to do stuff until you get more confident. Uh, continue to reach out to people and make connections. The more connections that you can make uh, with people in in the business, the better. And and if you stay with it long enough, you'll get a shot. You know, again, I started off as a sports broadcasting major, and turns out I had a and I wanted to be on ESPN one day, but it turns out I have a face and head for uh, for radio. <laughs> um, we already have one, Scott Van Pelt, but. You know, you talked about getting in front of a microphone. I look in, there's so many more advantages for students nowadays, whether you want to create your own YouTube channel or create your own podcast. Are there ways for students who don't have the resources like we do here at Trine to get involved in broadcasting? You made a great point about YouTube, Brandon. Isn't that amazing? Oh, the platform crazy. that these kids have. My, my 12-year-old son has a YouTube channel. 
uh, where he'll <laughs> play Minecraft and narrate what's going on into it. And, oh, that that is such a cool conceit when you think about it. And it's something that certainly we didn't have when we were kids. I mean, YouTube, you know, Twitch, some mm -hmm. of those other opportunities, 100%. I mean, that that is a growing sector in media without a doubt. And, and you can definitely get some special opportunities that way as well. You know, I talked to some of my classes and we're, and we're looking at uh, the amount of people who are watching sports, whether it be right. NFL, NHL, MLB, MLS, NBA, whatever. And one of the projections I was looking at at stats is that the second most watched, in, I'm going to use air quotes, sport, is going to be esports right. here within a year. And it's amazing. And, you know, talking to my students, asking them, well, how many of you guys actually watch esports online? And you talked about Twitch. And so I just see there's tons of opportunity to do it for free mm -hmm. and build up that kind of portfolio yeah unless you unless your dad is jack buck you know i mean most of us right most of us have to grind and and start out somewhere and continue to work your way up and and you know if it's doing something for free there's no shame in that do something that you love i mean if it's something that you're passionate about that will come through and to have that opportunity is really special poor joe buck it's just an easy target. I like Joe. I think Joe is excellent, too. by the I, way. I but too. he gets killed on Twitter and, and takes a lot of, we talked about that in our class, uh, he, he takes a lot of incoming. And I think a lot of it is either jealousy or, you know, he, he is kind of buttoned up. And, mm -hmm. and so he does take some of that, but he does a great job. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I like Joe Buck, but... It, I don't know. We're, we're, we're two mature professor adults here, so I, I think that's probably the right answer. Um, you know, you talked about earlier, you, you talked about soccer, and that's not in your wheelhouse. So for somebody wanting to get started in broadcasting, is it more advantageous to kind of spread themselves and have a, a variety of knowledge across sports, or should they specialize in one sport? I don't know if there's one way to, to do that. For me, you know, I started out uh, broadcasting. Well, I was doing PA announcing for basketball mm. at my high school uh, as a student. And uh, then I started to do some baseball games that I would record. I would watch the game on TV and record it. Some people maybe could remember a cassette tape. <laughs> you know, I had a boom box and, yeah. a and I would try to call the game that way. Um, for me, it was a lot of different sports that I cared about. I don't think that if if you have a particular passion, whether it's an esport or or one particular sport to start off with, I think that's okay. I, I don't know that there is is only one way to get there. Okay, fair enough. Um, made a lot of great mixtapes with a boombox oh, back, yeah, right? <laughs> back in the eighties and radio stations. Um, so, kind of looking at more, you know, one of the goals of this podcast is kind of take a look at sports, maybe from a little bit higher level or academic level. So, some topics in sport broadcasting that, as I was researching, getting ready for for our interview, you know, first one, thinking about women in sports broadcasting. Do you feel that there's more hurdles? for women to get involved in sports broadcasting, especially maybe at a pro or, or high college level than there, than there are for men? I mean, whether it be locker room access or, or dealing with you know any type of sexism or, or just tough personality. We still have gender expectations in broadcasters. Uh, that first weekend of the NFL season, whenever Beth Mowens, she calls one of the two Monday night football games, she <laughs> does the play-by-play. And you always see some snarky stuff on social media about having a female football play-by-play -play announcer. But mm -hmm. people like Doris Burke are changing that. I, I think Doris Burke is one of the best NBA announcers out there, period, regardless mm -hmm. of gender. And, and she mm -hmm. does 
uh, full anal- full uh, analysis and color commentary on a lot of the big games. People like her and Jessica Mendoza, who's on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, broadcasting men's sports, they are changing you know, the way that we think about females in terms of those those top spots, it's not just sideline reporting now. It's getting into the booth and having some of those important voices. And that's a wonderful thing. And I think you're going to see that continue. And I almost kind of think it's a chicken and egg thing, right? right? You know, research has shown us about 40% of females are sports fans. Well, that's a huge contingent. Mm-hmm. And with most women making purchasing decisions in the house, you see how that affects commercials that are yeah. being played during games. Games. And I just wonder if you're st- if you start to see more women in spots in sports broadcast, you know, or even now seeing them in coaching. I think there's girls who always want to do that, but now maybe they're feeling. And it's hard for me to say it as a guy, but I think maybe they're feeling a little bit more empowered, seeing that you know, hey, I can get there because there's somebody else there where I want to go. Yeah, I don't even think I think there was a time not very long ago when girls wouldn't have even considered it. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't have thought that it was a possibility or, or wouldn't have really crossed their mind. And again, with some of these great uh, examples that you're seeing now in the industry, you know, it's access- more accessible than ever to everybody. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. So changing gears from there, you know, as we look at some of the students that we deal with mm-hmm. on a daily basis, whether we're calling them millennials or Generation Z or somewhere in between, they're cutting the cord at- at fast rates to the point we don't even offer cable on campus anymore, but it doesn't matter because they're really streaming everything anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that going to affect broadcasting? Is there going to be a negative effect or are there going to be more opportunities for people to get involved? I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I subscribe to a service where um, I can take my TV with me wherever I go. Um, whether I'm doing radio in Hillsdale or at a Trine thing, I could have a game on on my computer or my phone. Um, just the portability now of our sports is really incredible. Um, I, I think that the technology is, is we're never going to put that back in the bottle. So we're going to have to adapt and evolve the industry to make it work. I think it's more opportunities for everybody. You already brought up the YouTube and the Twitch aspect and all of those possibilities. I think it's exciting. I, I think we should embrace it and and to see where it takes us. And, you know, some industries are seeing a little pushback there. The newspaper industry is struggling a little bit more. Um, you know, a lot of radio broadcasters complain, for instance, in the NBA, radio broadcasters used to be on the floor right there by the scorer's table calling the game. Mm -hmm. In a lot of new arenas, the broadcast booth is on level seven, right next to the broom closet, right? Mm -hmm. The radio is kind of getting pushed back into the background a little bit. And and how viable and relevant is radio going forward? I'm a radio guy. I mean, that's my background and my love. So uh, that's a little tough for me to get my hands around in terms of how all all of this fits together. But it's definitely going to continue to change. And and we all have to embrace that and find a way to make it work. So you talked about Ernie Harwell. Any other broadcasters that were your favorites growing up or even today? Oh, yeah. I mean, Bruce Martin was the voice of Red Wings hockey, Um, you know, and those great uh, Red Wings teams of the 90s. uh, You could hear him on WJR. Uh, After uh, Ernie Harwell left, Frank Beckman uh, is a guy I really admire. He still works on WJR, but he did Michigan football and uh, Tiger baseball for a period of time. So those are some local guys that I've always really liked. And then, um, you know, nationally – I think Al Michaels is probably about as good as it gets, and, mm-hmm. and my students are learning about Al Michaels in our class, just his journey and the doors that he had to knock on, right? Yeah. We think of him as this iconic broadcaster, but 
what a journey that he had even to get into the business. So, uh, you know, Keith Jackson, <laughs> I mean, some of those guys in college football yeah. uh, are iconic voices and, and I love to hear them whenever I can. Very good. So tell us, where can people find you if you want to give out uh, your Twitter handle and uh, where can they find out more about what we're doing here at Trine as far as sports broadcasting, YouTube channel, um, plug away. Well, it's at Trine Voice. Okay. Uh, that's my Twitter. I put all of our content uh, that my students do or that I do. It goes immediately up there to uh, my Twitter handle, at Trine Voice. I kind of funnel my YouTube and everything into that. So uh, check out Twitter, at Trine Voice. And, uh, you know, listen, we love to get feedback. We love to hear from folks on there for suggestions. And it's really fun to interact with all of the great Trine fans who uh, I, I've been shocked at just how much love there is for trying sports and and the enthusiasm is really special andy thanks for joining us today appreciate it great to be with you brandon thank you for listening and be sure to join us on friday february 14th as asa johnson creative producer for vanderbilt athletics and the nfl joins us on the podcast also our launch event for the center for sports studies is going to take place february 20th at 9 45 in Firth Center. Tim Ballman, president of the Fort Wayne Man Ants, is going to be our keynote speakers. Please join us on campus as we kick off the Center for Sports Studies. We'd like to say a special thank you to student producer Trenton Roberts for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.